0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door
1: with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: All right, welcome into a very special emergency slash crossover episode uh, here on Blue Wire. It is The Rebuild with Jordan Zerm. It is Browns Film Breakdown with my man, Jake Burns. Um, And we have some news to talk about as the Cleveland Browns have officially named freddie kitchens their head coach as they move forward it was something that we had all maybe expected slash hoped for and it finally came down today as chris mortensen um tweeted just a little bit ago that the browns are expected to name freddie kitchens as their next head coach um jake let's just kind of hop right into it and your sort of initial thoughts um on freddie kitchens becoming uh the browns head coach as they move into 2019 and beyond
1: yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I think it was a, um, I think it was a circocious path, that's for sure. It, it, I think if you put the odds on who would have been the Browns head coach, because I think we all, Jordan, had a feeling that Hugh Jackson was going to be done after this year in some form or fashion. And, uh, you know, for it to be Freddie Kitchens of all those people in that room, the HBO clip is going around, the uh, ever-so-popular Todd Haley argument, which was actually started by Freddie. Which, having seen that again today, I, I didn't even remember that. That's ironic, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. It all it all happened in a in a sort of downhill avalanche form, starting in week nine when he started to impress slowly, and it, it feels destiny like almost. I I I know there are probably some names other people might have preferred, but the coaching pool was a little bit shallow this year, and. Um, you know, just it, I think I think it's the best fit for where the Browns are at right now. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I I feel very much the same. I've sort of been on the Freddie Kitchens for head coach train um, through most of this coaching search, and I think yeah, I think twofold. Jake, you kind of mentioned too that this pool of candidates, when you were looking at, you know, okay, well, is anybody that they have interviewed or are talking to are they are they any better or are they going to do a better job? Um, Than what Freddie Kitchens did here, and, and especially because Freddie had, you know, y- you mentioned that clip of Hard Knocks, but there were, you know, the Browns had some clips going around of, you know, just his relationship with Baker Mayfield and what they sort of have built, not just offensively, but you know, built kind of together, um, relationship-wise, and I think that was a that was a really really big deal, um, and so I think with all of those factors. Um, it made sense for them to go with Freddie Kitchens because there was already sort of that rapport between what's the the most important piece of their franchise. Um, And we saw some things schematically, and I know we can kind of get into this too, Jake, because you've done some really good writing on it, Um, just about what Freddie was able to do with this offense and how it went from a... It didn't only go from a really bad offense to a, a decent one. Like, it went from a really bad offense to an elite offense at the end, especially in those last five, six weeks of the season, the stats about what the Browns did on offense are, are second to what the Kansas city chiefs were doing. So it's a, it's a big deal. Um, and I think he deserved every shot at this and I I'm thrilled for him because this is an incredible sort of come up in the organization. And he went from, you know, when they announced he was going to call plays in that fourth preseason game, I had no, no idea who Freddie kitchens was. It wasn't even something I gave a second thought to. It was just kind of, Oh cool. You know, they're giving a kind of the running backs coach, the ability to call some plays. That's a cool thing. And, um, yeah, you know, it's uh it's interesting, Jake, too, because another clip that now I'm sorta of remembering is in that fourth preseason game when Todd Haley wasn't calling the plays, but you know, Freddie Kitchens called that play for Brogan Roback and mm-hmm. and Haley knew it was gonna work right from the snap and he said, Just throw it and you know, he throws it for a touchdown and it it's funny now just to kinda of go back and think about all that stuff.
1: It is it is fun in hindsight because when Freddie was was brought in here to be the running back coach, I think some of the If you haven't seen the video, you should take the time to watch it. I think NFL Films did a video. I know you've seen it, Jordan, kind of talking to anybody that's listening. It's a really cool video about his health scare and his fear for his life, where he was going at that point in terms of coaching. And it was just sort of a cast-off. You know, this is just uh, Todd Haley bringing in his. You know, a buddy of his to to coach, and nobody thought much of it. And then, like you said, the 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 fourth week, he calls a really nice game in the preseason, which I remember talking about when he called that game. Um, He did a really nice job of early down passing, which uh, became a really cool feature of his his uh, you know eventual offensive coordinator duties. Was that he was he was mixing up early down run pass keeping people on their toes, and I think um, John Costco put out a really good, a, a part of Pro Football Focus, got a really good um, a, bit, a tidbit of information about about Freddie keeping de- defenses on their toes early in the down and, and being one of the, the league's best offenses in terms of calling uh, pass plays early in downs, because that's important. If you're predictable in early downs, you're going to put your offense behind the sticks and all of that stuff. That's a completely different tangent, but yeah, I mean, it, it's been really cool for his come up. It almost feels destiny-like, right? You almost have um this this walk-on head coach where he didn't he, he sort of backed into his chance and um I, there's a lot of really cool narratives out there that are that could be done by a lot of really cool writers that can do this stuff because the story is unique the story feels very Cleveland um but it, it doesn't stop there Jordan that's what's cool for me is yeah the story is I sort of Mike Petton was the story too right the high school head coach who right. eventually I feel like we saw nine weeks of really high-level coaching, and I really tried to stress that as I would break down the film of, he's not just like, hey, this guy's doing a really good job. Like, you know, pump your fist. He's doing a really good job in these these, these games he was given. And, and these were these were things being taken across the NFL, the handback uh, counter, um, you know, the winky belly counter stuff that we all loved against Carolina. That was taken. Um, he had a trick play almost every game up his sleeve that, that seemed to – uh come together the guys like it. It, it it feels like high level coaching so you get a good story you get a guy who the players believe in um that is young and can call an offense so i mean I, I i have a hard time thinking they could have done better
0: yeah i definitely agree with you and you know there was a tweet that i wanted to bring up that i saw a little bit ago from mike Tanier who said that you know and mike tanier i believe yeah writes for bleacher report and i you know, he tweeted, I know Kitchens impressed us with lots of cool play concepts and wrinkles in his half season. Let's hope he has a lot more to offer than cool concepts and wrinkles. And I think that's such a, like, simplistic and surface way to look at what Freddie Kitchens did. Like, yes. But you need that, right? I, you, like, you need those wrinkles. You, you absolutely need those wrinkles. And it also wasn't like, you know, uh, yes, obviously trick plays are things that, you know, we're not used to seeing. But, it, it you know, to sort of boil what Freddie Kitchens did with this offense down to quote, cool play concepts and wrinkles in his half season, I think is a really weird way to look at it because I think what Freddie did was so much more than that. Yes, those those plays are going to get more of the, the hype. They're going to be posted on Twitter. You're going to see a lot of that stuff. But on a down-to-down basis, I think is much more important in sort of the, like you mentioned, you know, throwing more on early downs, getting the ball out of Baker's hands really quickly and, and to the point where, you know, the Browns were giving up the least amount of sacks in the league over those last few weeks. Like there's a lot of stuff he was doing that, you know, I think people who aren't either watching the team on a daily basis or, you know, just are not, um, I don't know. I, I feel like that tweet is a, is a really weird way to look at what sort of, um, you know, Freddie Kitchens was doing with this offense.
1: No, I agree. I, I think you got to look at it twofold. They they found a way to alleviate Baker Mayfield being touched. He had he had nine. Uh, he was hit nine times when Freddie took over the role. The next closest team was the Colts at 29. So that's something. Now, some of that is Mayfield. Actually, I I take it back. A lot of that is Mayfield. But you also have to get your eyes right. And if you listen to Mayfield talk about what Kitchens did for him, he said he got his eyes right. And that's big for a quarterback. You have to know where to go with the football and blitz situations. You have to know where to go with the football if I'm feeling pressure, organic pressure off my left, off of a four-man front. Like You just have to know those things. And it felt like it could be coincidental – I don't, I don't want to say that it's not, but it, it is a guy gets more experience. But I just feel like Kitchens did that for him. And he wouldn't – knowing what May, how Mayfield acts toward coaches, he wouldn't make that up uh, for no reason. I feel like he would, he would tell you um, if he was doing it on his own or he would tell you, hey, you know, Freddie has helped me get my eyes right and he's helped me understand protection. And he just seemed like a different quarterback in terms of approaching the line of scrimmage and giving orders – you know, there's the, the 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 popular play against the Broncos on the goal line. Yep, we've all talked about it. But it's more than that. I try to pay attention to pre snap body language, how he looks under Todd Haley. He never just he just didn't look comfortable. But there was a different aura about his understanding of the offense, understanding of his role, and understanding of what he needed to do pre snap with with Kitchens. And and it goes beyond Mayfield, like. We talk I, I tried to write the article earlier in the year about scheme mirroring, taking one thing you're doing and building off of it. That is a huge thing for me, being able to take a concept you use frequently, building a screenplay off of it, or building a play action pass off of it. You have to be able to do that. I thought he was really effective with that. He was effective with eye manipulation. And like I try to pay attention too to um, you know, how they take a team's game plan the week or two before and putting that into what you're going to do to attack a defense. So um, against the Chargers, uh, the the Ravens played the Chargers. They they had gotten into a quad set, and they had number two. I I say number two. That's the second guy in from the sideline. That's how coaches always label it, right? Number two vertical was wide open, but Phillip Rivers was pressured, had to escape to his right, and couldn't make the throw. Well, what did the Browns do the next week? They went back to it. The first touchdown to Perriman was on what I call a Mills concept, is sort of universally known. Put Tony Jefferson in a bind the exact same way they did in week five against Baltimore at home when they threw Richard Higgins a touchdown. They throw Perriman a touchdown. Then they go to the same quads. They jet motion Duke Johnson, go to the same quad set when Baker does that little infamous toss, but they go to the same quad set. And what does it do? Puts pressure on that safety. He bites the exact same way he did the week before Jarvis Landry's wide open for a touchdown. So those things, like, the wrinkles are great. The trick plays are great. Those are cool. We love them. I like seeing them. That's what everybody talks about. But there's more. There's the scheme mirroring stuff, which is great. There's the helping your young quarterback, taking his game to arguably an MVP level from week nine on, right? And then also being able to game plan and put together solid game plans that work week to week. So I just, there's no evidence that he can't do it. There's just, I know we want to pump the brakes, and I know some of the defenses weren't elite, whatever, but there's just no evidence he can't do it. And the way the players respond to him and everything, um, you know, I'm a happy happy writer, happy fan, all the above. Yeah,
0: for sure. And, like, to me, it's no different than that stuff. You know, I remember watching... um, the Kansas City Chiefs early in the season, and when they were doing a lot of, especially near the goal line, they were doing a lot of, you know, kind of fake jet sweep action where, like, Kareem Hunt would come across a formation, and then Spencer Ware would come across a formation, or even they'd bring Travis Kelsey one way, and on various possessions, they would fake it to one guy, they or they would hand off the jet sweep, then the next time down, you know, they'd, they'd fake the jet sweep, and they'd throw a shovel pass. Like, this is, Andy Reid is doing the exact same type of stuff, and you talk about sort of building different things off of a similar concept. Like, It's really no different than what some of the most innovative offenses are doing in the NFL right now. So to me, like calling that cool concepts, I think that does a bit of a disservice. It's just sort of, you know, smart football and doing things that confuse defenses. And I think, you know, Freddie Kitchens has certainly been able to... Um, like you just mentioned, do a lot of that stuff. Um, You know, Jake, I'm I'm curious where you are now because I think the next step for the Browns obviously is going to be finding someone on the defensive side of the ball because uh, Greg Williams has officially been sort of relieved of his duties from the Browns. And um, I'm kind of curious where you are, if you have a name in mind that you still would love to see the Browns kind of go out and get, or just sort of the type of guy that you would think would be great to kind of allow Freddie to really still kind of ease into this role and sort of still focus on play calling in the offensive side of the ball yeah
1: great question i think i'd be remiss if i didn't thank greg williams i tried to on twitter yep um just just you know when the browns needed a leader of men when they needed somebody to steady a ship that could have just absolutely fallen apart at a very critical time for a young franchise uh i should say a franchise full of young players just a heck of a job I, i didn't think he had a future here but that doesn't mean we can't thank him i thought um just just fantastic work all the way around. But, um, you know, you do. You move on, and, and they got to find somebody else here. And, and names that uh, come to mind, if, if, if Chris Richard, who is the um, passing game defensive coordinator, so they split – so some teams will split up the coordinator duties. It's more prevalent on offense, but it's becoming a bigger thing on defense. So he shares that role uh, in Dallas. He coaches our DBs. He was the defensive coordinator in Seattle. Uh, for three years, he's done. He's a good young coach. He is getting a lot of head coaching interviews, and I would be pretty surprised if he doesn't land at say, Miami. But if he doesn't, he gets out of there. Um, he can interview for defensive coordinator positions because technically he's not their full-time defensive coordinator. Um, so that's a name I would really like. He's a four-three guy, and that's kind of where the Browns' personnel fits right now. So he's of interest to me. Um, but again, I, my guess is he's probably back in Dallas on a big pay raise and increased title all that stuff but that should be a guy they talk to Chuck Pagano obviously the old coach head uh, Colts head coach is connected to Arians which is connected to Freddie and all the stuff and you do you like you know the McVay method right you want you want somebody who's been a head coach you want somebody who's um, you know done the job before can sort of guide Freddie through some situations that might arise he makes some sense now. he is a 3-4 guy I know people freak out about that stuff um i think you can really morph a lot the browns played a lot of shade stuff they played a lot of 50 stuff and they did some packages where they had miles garrett standing in a two-point stand so i wouldn't freak out about it all too much if they brought in pagano i'm sure he's going to be a various front guy but that's that's really all i'm at maybe they bring vance joseph the um you know broncos there's going to be options i think people are going to want this want to run this defense you have a lot of really good young talent i'd imagine they spend pick seventeen on defense in some capacity, and then they have an abundance of free agency dollars. It's a good place for a former coach, um, you know, to to look at re uh, sort of resurrecting his career and, and getting another chance. So I do think there's a lot of opportunity on the table. I'm not sure what's going on with Blake. Have you heard anything
0: on that front? Yeah, I have not. I mean, I I will be curious whether you know Blake wants to stay with his you know with his dad gone I mean I'm sure you know a a coordinator position would be a draw for him but yeah I I have not heard anything yet about you know the status of Blake I did see and I'm forgetting who tweeted it now but it looked like they were saying that most of the defensive staff is going to be gone Um, and I would imagine that would sort of include uh, a Blake as well but nothing official on that yet but uh, I I would imagine that uh, that he's not going to be back yeah,
1: I would be surprised too. Eventually he probably will have to branch away from his dad, but uh yeah. But yeah, but yeah I, I would I would be surprised about too. I I would take the defense in a completely different direction if it were me. Um, I think that they need somebody in that they respect that they can get a, a voice change in there. I think the I mean Greg Williams was a good guy. I think he changed who he was in year 2, but I also think he uh he missed a lot of in-game adjustments, and there were just there were blatant holes in that defense. As good as the offense was the last half of the year, the defense struggled. I think they were 28th in graded performance. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be a welcome change there. I think that they can get somebody they want. I don't think they have to be uh, too pressing in terms of going after somebody and getting them right away. I, the staff around Freddie in general is going to be very fascinating. Uh, that's one of the things that, I, that probably the only thing I had a concern with was what uh, Freddie's ability would be to to get a staff around him that can work because I keep going back to McVay because that's who everybody wants to talk about but if you're going with somebody who has head coaching and experience I think it is vital to have those people around him that have done it and, it, it, and if they haven't done it they've at least been guys in the league for a long time that have a pattern of success because you need guys that you can lean on for advice and situations and I'm not talking game situations I'm talking situational things around Berea so that 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 whole thing is fascinating and I'm not sure I would hope that Freddie retains calling plays I know that that is a lot on his plate but I, I don't know when you think about it as a head coach if you get it'll be very important to let me say this you get somebody on defense you trust to have full autonomy and you don't have to worry about it that's imperative because then you can focus on your two jobs which is going to be time management right yeah paying attention to challenges paying attention to what do we do in certain time uh, on the clock situations and you have somebody in your ear that's always helping with that you probably have somebody on staff but nonetheless it is imperative to your job function and then uh you know it, it's it's calling plays it's not overwhelming on game days now the preparation can be hard that's why i think it's important to bring in an offensive coordinator and people get confused bringing in an offensive coordinator does not mean that person's calling plays like eric Bienemy. Is not calling plays in Kansas City, but he's the offensive coordinator. Andy Reid's calling plays, and there's many examples of that. Sean Payton and P. Carmichael in um, New Orleans, P. has had play calling before, but it's you know, it's most of the time it's Sean Payton, and it's currently Sean Payton. Like you need somebody there who's helping you scheme, who's helping you talk about, hey, second and eight, they love to run quarters here. That's when you can, you know, just those tendency things. There's somebody up in the box is telling
0: you. Yeah, I mean, like so, it's it's like having yeah. a uh, you know, it's like a, a pro golfer with a caddy telling him you know how yes. many you know how many yards it is to the pin, what club he thinks you should use. I, I think yeah, you see Eric Bienemy on the hip of Andy Reid at all times, um, kind of helping him with that. So yeah, I'm right there with you in terms of uh, uh, Freddie and and having somebody uh, alongside him.
1: Yeah, it'll it'll be imperative. I think I think a lot of. I'm, here's where I'm at with it too. I, we we sometimes freak out one way or the other about head coaching hires. I have, I have a really good feeling about about uh, Freddie Kitchens. I had a really good feeling about Hugh Jackson. To, to be honest with you, I'm not afraid to admit it. When they hired him, sure. It, it comes down to do you have a quarterback in place? Because if you look at, for example, Chuck Pagano's tenure in um, Indianapolis, really good first two years. thinking went 14 and two his first year. Jim Caldwell. I'm sorry. Jim Caldwell's, and it, it, it carried into Chuck Pagano with Andrew Luck. Last year of uh, Jim Caldwell's career there in Indianapolis, they go two and fourteen because Peyton's neck injury. Last year of Chuck Pagano's tenure, it's the uh, Andrew Luck quarterback. That's imperative. And then you know you got it. You got to have a staff around you that is that is good at their job, and they're going to stay with you because you know Belichick is. Is, is a hands-off guy. We all talk about Bill Belichick and, 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 you know, his coaching tree's failure when they leave. But the thing that's made Bill Belichick that guy over time, and, and the same for Sean Payton, is how well they get their coaches to perform with New England when they're there or with New Orleans. And that's what Freddie's going to have to do is get a staff around him that he trusts and that can perform at a high level um because, you know that' that's that's what it that's what it boils down to you know the guys who stick around Doug Peterson types Doug Peterson's had unbelievable staffs in his in his short tenure there guys that have gone on to find some success names that we know um, are around them so that, that's going to be important as, as happy as I am about Freddie I'm elated I'm happy
0: uh, I need to see what the finished is like i think that'll be really important yeah it definitely will and um you know I actually yesterday so i've gotten to know um jordan palmer who is carson palmer's brother um and works with a lot of the uh sort of draft eligible quarterbacks going into each draft. I know this year he's working with uh, with Drew Locke from from Mizzou and a couple other guys. And um, so some past work of mine, we've sort of crossed paths and maintained a relationship. And I texted him yesterday. This is before, obviously, we knew Freddie Kitchens um, was going to be named head coach. But Carson was in Arizona when, when Freddie was there with Bruce. And so I just was curious what you know, if Jordan knew him at all, and if Carson knew him at all, and um, Jordan sort of just texted back that that Carson absolutely loved Freddie during his time in Arizona, and had nothing but good things to say about him, so I think Freddie has sort of left a, and, and in that video, uh, you mentioned Jake, that kind of um, goes over Freddie's sort of health scare while he was in Arizona, you know, a lot of the quotes from guys, now, you know, this is obviously guys that, are in the Cardinals organization at the time and weren't gonna come out and be like, Freddie's the worst. But I mean you could really you could really get a sense of like just as a as a dude, like as a person, how the type of effect he had on people in that organization. And I think you've already seen it in those little clips that we've seen between him and Baker on game day and that sort of rapport that they already have with each other. And I think that's that's such an important part. You know, you can be the best offensive coordinator in the world I think what we saw with Hugh Jackson too is that if you don't have that connection with your players, and if guys don't trust you, and if guys don't have an affinity for you or respect you as a head coach, it makes things much more difficult. And I think Freddie has already sort of developed, you know, that with with Baker and the team. And I think that's a big deal. And you know, also Jake, I I keep going back to this quote from Freddie. I'm, first of all, I'm ecstatic to have press conferences from Freddie Kitchens on a weekly basis because. <laughs> Because he had some of the, aside from Greg Williams, he had some of the best quotes coming out of press conferences this season. But, you know, he said something on, on one of the days when I believe it was Jay Glazer had reported that, you know, Freddie Kitchens was getting some buzz about head coach. And he said something where he said, you know, who the hell is ready to be a head coach? When people were sort of asking, you know, do you feel qualified? Do you feel ready? Do you have enough experience? And I will say that what has excited me about this this coaching hiring spree. We saw Cliff Kingsbury yesterday with Arizona, and no idea what that's going to turn into. But I I do think that the NFL is finally a little bit starting to not care so much about experience or retread head coaches and all this, and just finding guys that are exciting and finding guys that, especially offensively, um, are bringing new concepts to the table and exciting stuff, and they're and they're making a leap of faith. And I think what you know Arizona did was a leap of faith. I think what the Browns are doing, to an extent, is a leap of faith. Um, but I think it's a encouraging, exciting trend. Even though Bruce Arians got another job, even though maybe Mike McCarthy is going to end up the head coach of the Jets, you're just seeing so many more of these unproven guys coming into head coaching positions, but because they deserve it, it doesn't matter that they haven't had prior experience. They're doing innovative, progressive stuff, and I think that's exactly the type of guy Freddie Kitchens is.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. I think it needs to be that way. I think that too long the the, the NFL has, has looked left when they need to look right. And, um, yeah, I mean, who knows what happens with Cliff in, in Arizona. Maybe, he's, maybe he was a terrible recruiter. Maybe he couldn't get it done on, on one of the biggest stages – the college coaches have to get it done in, in terms of recruiting, but he can really coach up talent that's there. You never know, and, and that's that's why I'm fascinated with the Cardinals hire. The Browns were progressive, way more progressive than we thought, because, I mean, Bruce Arians did some
0: serious, probably the most public jockeying for a job I've ever seen. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yep. Right? So they ignored his interview. They didn't give McCarthy
1: an interview, and they didn't give McDaniels an interview, all of which are retread hires, although Josh is still young and is sort of seen as – uh, outside of that mold, he has had a job before. So yeah, I think the Browns appear to have been um, you know steadfast in their approach of staying away from names and and retreads and the old NFL uh, style there, and I, I applaud him for it because I think it could it could lead to some really good. and I just keep thinking like man, if not, if why not? like with Freddie, wh- why not? I couldn't come up with reasons why not. that that he wouldn't make sense. If there was something about him, was he smug? Like, there's none of those things. And I think his, and you talk about that relationship with Mayfield, that sort of southern draw, country boy thing, I think Mayfield loves it. I think he'll keep him grounded. And I can't, this is just me personally, Um, I think that it it is really valuable that Freddie played quarterback at a really high level. For sure. he, he didn't thrive at Alabama, but he had a he had a solid career starting important football games. He's seen big moments through a quarterback's perspective, and that's that's where I think he helps Mayfield with the eyes and with the understanding and all that stuff. So I think it is it is important, and there is a respect. Like you know, this guy, this coach who's coaching me, played quarterback at Alabama. He he's been there. He knows what he's talking about. So some of those things, especially with Mayfield, who's a you know a young guy who's you know full of full of energy and full of uh, I, I, it's a little bit of self-arrogance um, but he's got to be grounded by somebody that he respects and knows has seen those things at the same level and I think that's important I think that's why they click pretty quickly and that's really what's most important right Jordan you need this young quarterback who's going to hopefully lead us to the promised land you need him to love who's leading the team and you know you look at every quarterback that has had this run Tom Peyton, Aaron Rodgers they've all had a, a a head coach that they have been linked to for an extended amount of time, right? McCarthy, uh, Belichick, Dungy, uh, Sean Payton—they've all had that long picture guy. And I think that this this Mayfield kitchens thing could be really, really fun for a long time.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree. And um, yeah, it's um it's going to be really fun to see how Freddie, sort of knowing that you know there's some film on his offense now, and uh, but he'll have a sort of a full off season and, and training camp and all that to sort of, you know, make the offense truly his and, and do what he wants to do. And I'm really excited to see that sort of counter from Freddie once he sort of starts to understand what defenses are, are trying gonna try to do to, to both him and Baker in 2019. And and you're right, like Baker is this franchise's most valuable asset and it would be foolish not to um you know i i I know John Dorsey a lot in his press conferences when people asked him, Are you going to you know talk to Baker about this head coaching hire? How important is that to you and he sort of brushed it off but i I would imagine that there was there were conversations back and forth with Baker just about you know his comfortability level with Freddie and if if he was somebody he wanted to move forward with because yeah, I mean, Baker is that guy, the guy that is going to hopefully take this, franchise's, uh, this franchise to places it hasn't seen in, in multiple decades. And if if that's, you know, that's the guy that's going to do it, then he needs to be front and center. And I, I think that connection with him and Freddie and what Freddie was able to do with him kind of toward the end of the season was uh, was a really big deal. So, Jake, I guess we can kind of finish on this note. When you when you think about this Browns offense in 2019, and you think about year two of, of Baker and, and Freddie, I mean, where how high are your expectations for what this offense might be able to do um, next season?
1: Yeah, it's a great. I mean, it's obviously a great question. It, it, it's the first year, um, first year Jordan. We've seen expectations since 2008, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I had that question asked to me yesterday by somebody I'm close with, and and I said I said this. So the NFL has always seemed like something everybody else got to enjoy, right? Like, it always seemed like this really cool thing that uh, we watch all these other fan bases get to really enjoy and have a good time with. And then I'm reminding myself that week 17, I was standing in the middle of my living room listening to Jim Nance and and Tony Romo call a game that my team was playing and I actually cared about. Like, I'm standing up at the end of a game in weeks, it was December 31st. Like, it was a taste. It was a taste of something really spectacular. It didn't mean anything for the Browns, but... Um, It did at the same time. I think it meant a lot of things to the players on the field and and the coaches coaching and and the fan base. All all sort of together, it meant something. And I think that they're going to really carry, uh, especially by keeping Freddie, they're going to really carry these expectations into uh, into 2019. And, And now they have a quarterback who showed that he's far more capable of playing at an elite level early than we thought he was. So that window is now. You have four years now. It's now three years of Mayfield's rookie contract. Year two was big for Wentz, right? He was an MVP candidate until he tears his ACL. I still think he wins a Super Bowl if he plays. That's a different conversation. Yeah. But that's the mold. You have this quarterback that can do it. You expect him to make significant year two strides, continuing over the continuity with his with his coordinator. You have, uh, an, I call it an uber-talented defense. Um, the expectation from the offense should be to be a top-ten offense. The expectation uh, for the for the team in general should be making the playoffs. The ASC North crown should be the absolute goal. Making the playoffs and then the Super Bowl has to also be on your your plate of of tangible goals. If you hit a, if you hit a home run in free agency and you do a nice job of accentuating that in the draft, you have a team that is chock full of talent that could have won ten games last year uh, amid crisis. What are you looking at this year? So I'm always nervous, personally, because the Browns and expectations are just something I'm not used to, and I, I, I have a hard time getting myself to believe that. But it's there. On paper, it is all there. The goals should be out of the park, uh, to hit it out of the park. That Do they get there? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But that to me, as a fan base, and if I'm, a, if I'm an average fan sitting at home, my goal should be playoffs, And if they don't make the playoffs, I'm significantly disappointed.
0: Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. And I'm just ecstatic that this Freddy Kitchen thing happened. And I am ecstatic that it appears that for the first time in a very long time, the Browns organization, especially the front office, feels like they're on the same page, feels like they, they know what they want and feels like what they want is, is a smart move that smart people we both know, um, and follow, uh, that cover the NFL really well have sort of been behind as well. And it's, it's weird. It's a weird thing that like the Browns are sort of doing things that feel like the right and smart move, but, um, it's something that we can hopefully get used to as we move forward with John Dorsey and company. And, um, I am, I am thrilled that Freddie Kitchens, um, made enough of a mark that the Browns gave him legitimate consideration for, for head coach. I'm thrilled also too, because a lot of what we talked about was John Dorsey coming in with this list of, of head coaching candidates that I think, you know, he'd had compiled even before he became the Browns GM and, he allowed himself to see what Freddie Kitchens did with this team and allowed Freddie Kitchens to sort of enter the conversation as a head coaching candidate and was flexible about that. And I think that's really important because there was absolutely no way Freddie Kitchens was on his radar as a head coaching candidate when this season started. Um, And it's cool to see him taking input from um, be it other people or just his own eyes and, and, and watching how this team responded to Freddie. So, you know, it gives me, it continues to encourage me that this front office, um, is the is finally the right one to sort of usher the Browns into a hopefully an era of su- sustained success instead of just the the blip you see once every five six years.
1: I'm with you. It's an exciting time. I think the fan base. There's there's no reason now. Am I hit sitting here saying that? It's not going to work or it is going to work. No, because I just think there's a level of things that we don't know. Yep. Um, but there is no reason to have hesitation about feeling good about this hire, in my opinion. It is, it is a feel-good story. Um, it is a guy who sort of has that average Joe feel. But it is a guy that is that is very relatable and a guy that is a very, very, very good football coach. Um, And I could say that without having hesitation just by watching what he does and and, and reading things about him and hearing what his players say about him. I don't – I genuinely don't think with who was available this year that the Browns could have done better. I think they got the guy that they were meant to get. They – you you argue well they should have just hired him right away well you don't do that you do your due diligence on everybody out there and you decide as an organization are we going to sit down with this guy or are we not here's the guys we're sitting down with let's hear everybody's pitch that's universal that's not just Cleveland that's everybody but they got the guy I think they were destined to get and um, I would I would just say be excited Cleveland fans because I think it is it is
0: it is ready to rock and roll and I think we're going to have a really exciting 2019. I think so, too. And um, yeah, I think it's gonna be really fun. And uh, Jake, we will look forward to sort of, you know, more more breakdowns from you from Freddie's offense now that we sort of know that that That's the direction the Browns are moving in, and I'm sure you will have a lot of that in the coming weeks. And, uh, yeah, this has been a very special crossover episode, the Rebuild and Browns film breakdown, as we sort of, Jake and I react to the Browns hiring of Freddie Kitchens as their head coach uh, today, as we can now start to look forward to the rest of the staff and, and 2019. So, Jake, man, thanks for hopping on with me. My pleasure, buddy. My pleasure. I love what you're building over there. and it was my, uh, you know, it's, it's good for us to get on the pod together because I think we'll be doing this a little bit more in the future. Yes, I have a, I have a feeling that uh, there may be some um, fun days ahead of us in terms of Brown's success <laughs> and uh, getting together to do more of these, so I, I look forward to it. Likewise, buddy. For the one
1: standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger. Your experienced safety
0: partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickranger.com slash safety or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.